Let's talk about the future of news. I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. The state of journalism today. Telling both sides of a, of a controversial story. I think you must be unbiased. It's uh, honesty, fairness, uh, truth. That is our job. That is our job. That is our job. Welcome once again to the Our Man in Stockholm podcast. My name is Philip O'Connor. Um, this podcast is getting <laughs> harder and harder to do over the last little while, right? Because at the moment, there's a lot of big stories going on. And um, I've been trying to do something a little bit bigger, a little bit more ambitious. But these things tend to take time. So what I tend to do is I choose out a subject uh, or I pick out a subject or, or a person who's of interest and um, then you're kind of dependent on their schedule and some of the people that I'm trying to deal with are on the other side of the world. Some of these people have um, far better things to do than talking to me. Uh, that wasn't one of them texting me to um, set up an interview that I have long uh, wanted to be doing but uh, there's a few of those things in the pipeline anyway. So one of the things I want to do is a sort of an interim podcast was to talk, you know, to talk a little bit about what we talk about when we talk about things, right? Because there's a lot of stuff that's cropped up, and it doesn't matter if it's politics or sport, in particular in sport, but in politics, in life in general, where you see an awful lot of circular arguments, things that just go round and round and round and round, because we don't spend enough time thinking before we start talking, right? So, um, a great uh, example of this is on Twitter, right? We see something, we react, okay? We react based on what we know or what we think we know. Uh, and then all of a sudden, we end up in a position where somebody else says, well, maybe that's not right, or I think you're wrong, or I think you're an arsehole, or you should be cancelled and fired into the sun. And in many cases, that's the right thing to do with certain people on Twitter. But it doesn't actually lead anywhere because once we've gone into that discussion, the most important thing to us becomes not to be wrong or more important even than not being wrong is not to be seen to be wrong, right? So you'll very seldom get somebody who says, uh, oh, that's a very good point. You've changed my mind there. That just doesn't happen on Facebook. It doesn't happen on Twitter. Don't spend a whole lot of time on TikTok or Snapchat, but I wouldn't imagine it happens a lot there either. And I've been sort of you know, thinking about this over the last little while because, you know, I don't know what it is, but the last, over the last little while, I've hit the bullseye a few times on certain threads and certain ideas that I've tried to explain to people. And they're not, they are things that have developed over time. They have developed uh, on social media, but by the time I actually get to writing them, you know, very few people end up disagreeing with me where, when it comes down to it because, you know, I spend so much time thinking about them that by the time I present the idea, it's pretty much um, obvious to most people. And even if it's not right or it's not wrong or if they don't agree with it, people can accept it for what it is in good faith. And what I mean by this has been sort of encapsulated uh, in Irish soccer recently, right? So if you're not an Irish person, um, there's a guy called Stephen Kenny who has taken over the Irish team, right? Um, and he's the manager of the international team. They haven't won since Jesus was a boy. Uh, they've, they're trying to play this really ambitious football. They're trying to play the ball out from the back, from the goalkeeper, you know, 6, 10, 15 metre passes. And it has been a disaster because you need to learn how to play that game. And the players that he's asking to do this have very seldom been asked to do it. And on the one hand, you have people saying, this is great because, you know, he's trying to develop players. He's trying to give them confidence. And on the other hand, you have people saying, it's a results-based business. And what we end up with is, you know, two sort of opposing sides in trenches, not willing or able to listen to each other. And there's no real discussion around um, 
around, you know, you can't actually have a conversation about what it is that's right and wrong, you know. So if we take the Irish national team's week um, in the recent International World Cup qualifiers, they played against Portugal. They led until, or they were uh, 1-1 until the sixth minute of injury time. Cristiano Ronaldo scored a header. And everybody thought, oh, that's great. That was actually a very good performance against a very good team. Back to the wall stuff, showed great spirit and tried to play that kind of football I just mentioned. Uh, you fast forward to a couple of days later against Azerbaijan and uh, Azerbaijan scored first, defended for all they were worth. And uh, Ireland got a 1-1 draw. They scored about five minutes from time. Usual thing, like, you know, force the ball in from a dead ball situation kind of thing. And everybody says, oh, they're the worst team ever and he should be sacked. And then they play against Serbia uh, and it's kind of a mix of the two, right? They end up getting a 1-1 draw. They were kind of unlucky to concede a goal from a set piece. It's also a goal that you shouldn't um, concede. When I say they were unlucky, uh, the goalkeeper, Gavin Bazuna, got a great hand to it. Couldn't manage to keep the ball out. It would have been a world-class save, but a good header. And then Ireland got an own goal and people are sort of, you know, now left kind of somewhere in between so they don't really know oh is this the greatest thing that's ever happened to irish football or is this just shit and do we need somebody to hoof the ball you know and you can argue these things over and back and over and back but my point would be that before we go out and we start to have these discussions that we need to think about what it is we're talking about right the irish soccer team is not irish soccer right it's one of the things that represents it but it is not all of it and if you want to talk about this team, if you want to look at this team, if you want to talk about Irish football, you cannot discuss it solely framed as the Irish soccer team, right? As the Irish men's senior international team, right? You have to think of it as something that is the product of decades, if not a century, of mismanagement, of idiocy, of people doing things to suit themselves and not for the benefit of the game, right? And when you look at it from that perspective, rather than the perspective of oh, some of these players playing in the Premier League, we should be beating a team ranked you know, much, much further below us in, uh, in the FIFA World Rankings, it starts to make an awful lot more sense, right? The idea somehow that we have a right to go out and beat anybody at this stage is nonsense, right? This is not who Irish football is. For the Irish football of 1990, 1994... Back when the game was still, you know, barely developed, we were basically still playing on swamps uh, in the British Isles at that point. Uh, the game has changed utterly since then in terms of sports science. Everything has changed. And, you know, it's not even the same sport. And yet we still live in this fantasy that we actually have some business sniffing around the crumbs of the top table when we don't. And that's the thing that once you start to think of things in those terms, then you can't make the argument either way. You can't actually say that, you know, two 1-1 draws against... Uh, Azerbaijan and Serbia are actually you know a new dawn for Irish football and you also can't say that not winning a competitive game for god knows how long is a disaster right that's just where it is and you can't argue either from the pro the, the like I mean one of the greatest memories I have is Euro 1988 Euro 88 when Ray Houghton put the ball in the English net on you know an A-team tournament where you really had to be one of the best teams in Europe to be there that was the high point for me and I remember that that's gone and it's probably not coming back. But instead of thinking and living in the past and trying to do the things that we did back then, we really need to analyze this, the whole, the big picture, so to speak, right? And what we're served up as analysis and what we're served up as journalism really is an awful lot of tripe for the most part, right? I've seen, you know, ex-professionals, ex-Irish internationals being wheeled out and given their tuppence worth. And the louder they bang a particular drum, the louder the empty vessel is, the more chance it is it's going to get on the front page, never mind the back page, right? Never mind the fact that you can sort of question why these people are doing it. And in many cases, there are vested interests there as well, right? There's a section of people in Irish 
Irish football who don't want Stephen Kenny to succeed at all costs, right? They will do everything possible to undermine him. Some of those people cover the team. Some of those people are supposed to be not neutral, but objective, right? But what you're getting is a subjective opinion because they believe that somebody else should have got the job in the first place. Those people who believe themselves that they should have got the job, they're naturally critical. And people are being wheeled out as allies without ever nailing their colours to the mass and saying this, uh, look, I believe this because I think X, Y, or Z would have been a better person to do this. Uh, and they never speak about context. They never speak about uh, the previous CEO. They never speak about how his rent of thousands of euros a month was paid whilst uh, the women's per diem was being removed for international matches. Right? We talk about we can talk about equality in a little while, but these are the people who never talk about that. They talk about tactics as if they were still playing the game in a sort of stone age, prehistoric way that they learned to play the game in England. And this is why, you know, I'm so delighted that Zach Elbuzadi, who you would have heard on uh, the most recent episode of the podcast, has moved to Sweden because that will change the way, or change the way certain people think, right? So you, what you have is a sort of a sort of group think that's brought up, is going, in my day, we would have lobbed a ball into the bottom. Like, yeah, but does that make him right? You know, who are you to say these things? What's your experience of it? Okay, you have 10 caps for Ireland, that's great. One thing that, you know, um, becomes apparent the more you work with football is there's an awful lot of people who actually play the game professionally. Some of them don't even like it. Take Eric Bay, who was a Swedish defender, gave up playing for the national team, simply doesn't like football, retired recently, put some of it down to injuries. And this is a guy who's played in the Champions League for Malmo and for FC Copenhagen, has won league titles, everything. Simply does not like the game. Made an awful lot of money from it. Simply does not like the game. And if you were to ask him his opinion on the game at the moment, he'd probably say, you know what, man, I just don't care, right? But at the other end of that, you have people being brought out who have no awareness of what's going on in the modern dressing room. They've no awareness of what somebody like Stephen Kenny or Gareth Southgate or, you know, Hansi Flick or what anybody else is trying to do. And they're sort of appointing themselves as the oracle and saying this is what's right and this is what's wrong now that's fine everybody's entitled to an opinion but you're also entitled to decide what that opinion is worth in the overall discourse and if that opinion is a knee-jerk reaction to a single result or a series of, of recent results without the context that i meant that i mentioned of a hundred years of mismanagement then i'm sorry it doesn't really have a whole lot of value. So putting it on the on the front page, never mind the back page, also doesn't have a whole lot of value. That idea um, got me to thinking about how, you know, uh, it's almost like the games that Ireland played against Portugal and the one they played against Azerbaijan are almost so different as to be a different sport. Because in Portugal, Ireland would be attacked and could attack on the counter. And against Azerbaijan, the Azerbaijanis got a, an early goal and Ireland had to attack. It's just, a, it's a totally different way of playing the game. And I actually saw the same thing. I was covering Germany because uh, my friend Carlos Grohmann has been on vacation. So I was covering their national team games. And their first game under Hansi Flick, they struggled to break down Liechtenstein. But a few days later, they absolutely hammered our media because they worked out what the issue was in terms of attacking a low block like that, right? And rather than go after them, you know, I'm sure the German press did and hammered them for, oh, you only beat Liechtenstein 2-0. We need to realise that Liechtenstein now is not what Liechtenstein 20 years ago was, you know? So essentially what this podcast is, it's an explanation and appeal to your better nature uh, to think about what it is you're being told and why, who's saying things. And, what, and this comes back to everything I've ever said since this podcast began, you know, whatever, three or four years ago. It really is to sort of think of things a little bit more in those terms, right? Um, 
Another thing that is illustrative of this is the argument, like it was announced recently, uh, that the Irish women's national team is going to be paid the same match fee as what the men's national team is. And of course, you get, you know, the usual clowns who line up to show everybody how ignorant they are. Go, well, do they do they generate the same revenue? Huh? Huh? Do they generate the same like commercial opportunities? Because if they don't, well, then they really don't deserve to be getting the same. Money. It's just it's simple economics, too. Right? Shut the fuck up, okay? Shut the fuck up. Because all you're doing is illustrating how fucking dumb you are, right? Again, a century of mismanagement. The World Cup for men began in the 19, in 1930. Football was illegal for women in many countries until the 1970s, and in fact still is, right? If you look at the history of the Women's World Cup, which most of you probably haven't, right? In the 1970s, it was a sort of an unofficial thing, right? There actually aren't records until the early to mid-90s when this whole thing started, right? So the idea somehow that you can compare a simple figure like commercial revenue or, or what, what revenues are generated with the men's game is the dumbest fucking thing imaginable. And yet, these people will be given a platform basically to show everybody that they're a fucking idiot, right? This is what I mean when I say you have to think things through, right? Before you open your mouth, you've got to think about what it is, where it is this is coming from. We all have our biases. I talked earlier on about journalists covering the games and the need to be objective instead of subjective, right? Objectively, you cannot compare the women's game to the men's game, financially, physically, otherwise. They are essentially different sports, right? And you can go on, yeah, well, that's because men are physically stronger than women and uh, then they should be paid to call. Shut the fuck up again. Right? Do I have to tell? Do I have to explain to you why you're not learning this here? Right? There's a reason we don't put them in there, and the fact that men are stronger makes no fucking difference. Right? I'll ask you another question you probably haven't asked yourself: Which men? Right? Okay. Leo Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, they're probably stronger. They're probably faster. Right? But I guarantee you, because it's fucking happened to me, that there are women out there who are stronger and faster than I am. And I remember playing a soccer match, a mixed soccer match, one night. And um, I was doing my usual chivalrous thing. We were playing, you know, there's obviously a girl on the other team. And when you go in there, you don't want to smash a girl out of her because that's just a dumbass thing to do, like physically. But I still couldn't take the ball off her because she just danced past me, right? And then when I got on the ball, uh, it's fair to say that she didn't render me the same courtesy, right? She left me on my ass when she tackled me, right? So there are women out there who are just as strong and just as, as fast as many men out there, right? So even there, that argument falls on its ass. If you want to talk about the elite, absolutely, there is a difference. But for the most part, down through it. And that leads me on to the third and what will hopefully be the final point for this uh, philosophical rant that you're getting in your ears here today. What we really need to identify before we start talking about these things at all is what we ourselves believe in and why, okay? We need to have that foundation. We need to have thought these things through and to think for ourselves and to decide for ourselves what is important to me, right? With Ireland, with the Swedish soccer team, um, you know, with most other things, I just don't care about results. I do not care about results. Show me something brilliant. Show me something that makes me believe that I can't do myself and that most of the people I don't I know can't do. Show me something beautiful. Show me something creative and clever and physically impressive. Right? Show me that. I don't really care if you lose, right? Sweden lost as I'm speaking, 2-0 to Greece last night. Very disappointing in terms of getting to the World Cup. 
but you know it's not to be the be all and end of all of anything it's not it doesn't say a whole lot about Janne Andersson it doesn't say a whole lot about the Swedish players that played last night other than that they failed in this particular instance they're good guys they're good players they've given me some great experiences that I've really enjoyed I've had the opportunity to share them with them over the last 15 odd years and that's fantastic but it's just not that important what's important to me is who they inspire and the things that they inspire those people to do, right? It's for them to inspire the kids at my local soccer pitch, right? It's the same thing when Sweden lose the Olympic final. That's a devastating blow, not to me personally, but certainly to those players. Um, but it's also very difficult for young kids who are watching that thinking, oh, I really want to see them, they're going to win this gold medal, and then they lose. And it's a terrible lesson to learn when you see your team lose at a young age in such an important game as an Olympic final. But that's the nature of the beast that's how we learn that's why sport is a mirror that's adults at play when adults uh, play we call it sport right but we're also holding up a mirror to ourselves as societies and as people uh, to our values and say no this is who we are so those things are really important to think about beforehand as i say my thing is i'm not really worried about that they represent us they make me proud when they do well they make me a little bit annoyed when we don't do it but it's not the be all and end all of everything it's what they do for the community the people that they are the um the swedish word is for builder like the example that they set to our our community that they might inspire somebody to hit a treadmill or to go kick a ball who hasn't done it that's far more important to me it's far more important to me that the grassroots structures the domestic leagues work that the local leagues for young boys and young girls and for teenagers and for kids who might be on the edge of criminality and for elflers like me who are 35 40 45 50 that they can still get out and lead a healthy lifestyle and have that sense of camaraderie that sense of of team play that sense of being part of something bigger than themselves that's far more important than all these things and when when you you are as convinced of those things as I am it kind of makes it easier to make those arguments right or wrong am I right or wrong I don't know but that's how I feel about it that's how I think about it and when I argue about these things and when I talk about these things whether it be soccer or basketball or MMA that is where I'm coming from because I've sat down and thought these things these things through and most of us we've all we all have a foundation for these feelings that we have for these opinions that we have and for these arguments that we make it's just that many of us aren't aware of it and many of us never interrogate it. You have to be open to changing your mind, right? If the evidence is presented and is overwhelming, and that evidence says that this is the best way of doing things, this is a better way of doing things, this is something that benefits us all. If you show that to me, absolutely, I will not even question. If you can demonstrate that to me, that's fine. I will go completely against, you know, I always thought when I played sports myself in the beginning for many years, I just really struggled with it mentally because I thought winning was everything. And winning is actually the least important thing. The joy that I have gotten out of sport has been occasionally when I've won things, when I've gotten medals and trophies, and, if, you know, the few moments and a few hours after that we can feel like you're the best at something, right? But the actual lifelong joy that I have gotten out of sport comes from sharing it with other people right that's where the joy comes from for me that's the whole point of the whole thing for me you know regardless of me hitting the treadmill now or an hour and then going and coaching kids or all that it's sharing those things those memories those events those pitches those jujitsu mats it's sharing those things with other people and my question to you and i'll leave you with a question for once is why do you do this why do you love this what's in this for you and are you open questioning yourself about these things are you open to changing your mind if you're presented with something different with something better with something more interesting or with something with a greater return if you are congratulations if you're not you might want to think about that 
I'll hopefully be back in the very near future with another sporting subject uh, and then we'll be getting around to some of the women that you have very kindly suggested on Substack. But for now, have a great week wherever you may be. Yeah.